Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Middleway Method podcast. This is the podcast that explores nuance in all things health and fitness. We are breaking down those false dichotomies and inviting you, the listener, to embrace the middle way on your path um, to health, wellness, and fitness. So I'm really jazzed uh, about this episode because I have a guest. Welcome, Crystal Lamoureux. Hi, Sarah Lynn. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> it's so good to connect with you, Krista. And just so everyone knows, I work with Krista at the government agency we work for. We're colleagues and for, you know, we're both health coaches. Um, but I'll just go ahead and put the disclaimer out there that these opinions are our own and we are not representing our agency. And yeah, I think that's all I need to say. Yeah. Sounds good to me. <laughs> all right, cool. Well, we're in the new year. How was your, how was your new year's Eve? Anything exciting? Oh, it was so relaxing. It was a wonderful, mellow um, roll into the new year. I did stay up till midnight. I was not intended, but my 13-year-old wanted to be ring in the new year, so we did. <laughs> and then we went right to bed. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, very similar. Like, I just stayed up reading and then was like, oh, it's midnight. Happy New Year. <laughs> so that was about <laughs> it. <Right off. laughs> yeah, we know how to party hard there. Um <laughs> Well, I'm really excited to have you on the podcast, Krista, because, you know, we went to the same university for health coach training. We both went to Maryland University of Integrative Health, and I know we're very aligned in sort of our ideologies and our thoughts on sort of health, health and fitness and um, sort of empowering the individual. So diving right in, um, I'd love to just ask you to introduce more about yourself, maybe how you got into this field or what your background and expertise is in. Sure. Thanks. Um, well, let's see. So um, I am a Navy veteran. So I was in the Navy for 20 years. And my undergrad was very different than what I'm doing now. I was an aeronautical engineer. Um, but somewhere along the way, I um, well, actually, what was probably most influential to me and sort of my outlook on health and wellness was being stationed in Italy for a couple years, um, in addition to my parents being good um, you know, homegrown, have your own garden and yeah. dad wouldn't let me go to the doctor till it hurt really bad for several days. <laughs> um, but Italy really was transformative in the way that they live, you know, that La Dolce Vita and La Dolce Far Niente and, um, meaning the sweetness of doing nothing and eating locally in season and taking walks. Um, and so, when I had the opportunity to go back to school and kind of start anew, it was kind of an easy decision to um, get a master's in herbal medicine. And while I was doing that, I took the nutrition track as well. So I also have taken all the classes to sit for the nutrition license. Um, I just haven't done that yet. And then as we both know, I also ended up I was blessed with the GI Bill and also got a master's degree in health and wellness coaching. Yay. So here I am. <laughs> That's so awesome. I love kind of the way you describe just kind of the culture in Italy and like how people embrace kind of the seasons and just sort of living like in line with nature. And um, it sounds like very, I don't know, that sounds really nice. It's very different from like the hustle and go, go, go energy. I feel like we have here in the States. Very much so. Yeah, very much so. Um yeah. Okay, cool. Well, I love that you did herbal. I know, I know nothing about herbal medicine. So it's cool to like have that kind of element um, in your repertoire as well as nutrition and health coaching. Um, I think like as far as my nutrition knowledge, it's more like from the perspective of eating behaviors and less about like 
these are the nutritional qualities of these foods, you know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. So you definitely have that kind of um, that expertise that I, I currently don't have. But I'm curious, um, we're in the new year now. And, you know, these early podcast episodes, I'm really wanting to lay the groundwork for sort of someone kind of beginning on this like health and wellness journey, setting goals, wanting to make some changes. And, you know, in the first two episodes, I outlined kind of what middle way is. I also outlined, you know, the central key, key dialectic, which is accepting yourself and um, embracing positive change. And when we talk about embracing positive change, you know, in terms of health, like it begs the question, like, what is health, right? Like what changes are we talking about? Um, you know, when someone wants to improve their health, fitness, et cetera, what does that even mean? Are we talking about absence of disease, a lifestyle, a state of optimal being, like what, what's up with that? So I'd love any thoughts um, that you have on kind of what we say when we mean health. It's such a great question, Sarah-Lynn, because um, I think, it, and so perfect for the middle way approach, because I really do think it, it depends on the person, right? right? Um, but it is in our culture, it feels like it is about the absence of illness or disease, um, so I really appreciate the uh, World Health Organization definition with a slight twist of, I think they say it's a state of complete physical, mental, and social well-being, and not merely the absence of disease. And I think I would say it's a state of optimal, right? Because I think it really depends on the person so that whatever optimal is for them of physical, mental, and social well-being, that's sort of where I land on, on health. Yeah, I really appreciate that because it's like, I like what you said, what's optimal for them, because, you know, a lot of folks like have chronic conditions, they might have like, you know, I shared, you know, my mental health diagnosis, you know, so what is optimal for me is going to be different than what's optimal for someone who maybe doesn't have a mental health diagnosis or doesn't have chronic conditions. And so it really is like subjective in that regard. And, you know, we're all different and what health is for me may not be health for you. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's an interesting take. Um, as far as, you know, optimal health, like, what do you think um, are the components of that? Like what might someone, when they're starting to make some changes, where might they start? Ooh, another great question. <laughs> and again, I think it really, it's so, I kind of feel like um, it's so individual, right? Yeah. Uh, all these things are so individual. Where does somebody start? I guess it depends on when they think about what is optimal well-being for them, what is not in alignment with where they are right now. Um, and I think some of that comes back to knowing thyself, if you will. Um, and so a little bit of reflection and deciding where is it for some people, you know, it might be like for me this year, I'm realizing that I'm not connected with my friends in a way that I have been in the past. And, and I feel a lack in my overall well-being in social connection. Um, so that's probably, that's where I've already started, <laughs> if you will. Um, but yeah, I think it really depends on the person. Yeah, I, I love that you brought that up because one of my goals, like I was talking to my therapist about my goals for 2023, and one of them was cultivating in relationships. Because I think with the pandemic, like a lot of us got so used to not seeing people and it, we kind of, you know, and now like seeing people feels harder than it did before. Like I kind of have to psych myself up to like be in these social situations and it feels like 
really challenging. And so, um, yeah, one of my goals is to cultivate the relationships I already have and find ways to meet new people. It's hard to make new friends as an adult. Like, it's so weird. <laughs> yeah, it really is. It really is. Like, and when you're when you're young and you're in school, there people are just there. And now it's like, I meet someone I click with, like, it feels like I'm asking him on a date when I'm like, do you want to be friends? <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh, I know exactly what you're saying. Yes, I felt that as well. <laughs> Yeah. So are you like for your kind of what you're embracing in the new year? Is it um, are you wanting to meet new people or kind of just work on the friendships you already have or a combination of both? I think for me, it's the friendships I've had. Mm -hmm. Um, Just just I feel like I used to be a more thoughtful, present um, friend in many of my relationships. And I just want to bring more thoughtfulness and presence um, not maybe literally in person. Cause I have a lot from being in the Navy. I have a lot mm-hmm. of friends spread out all over. Uh, but I just feel like I used to be more connected to them. So yes, doubling down on the relationships I do have. If new one comes along, new ones come along great, but, um, the old ones are the ones I want to work on for this year. I love that. I, I think it's great that you included that in your definition of like, what is like going to be a health ish goal for you because I think oftentimes when we think of health we're like oh it's like what we eat and how active we are and like you know I guess managing you know whatever conditions you have but you know relationships are a key a key part of that as well so it's very like multifactorial um in that regard so I'm curious like what advice would you have for someone like as they want to make some change oh wait eh, I skipped ahead um it is the new year. And like, I did want to ask you this thing first. Um, so we're approaching the new year. And this is a, a time where a lot of folks set like, I guess, New Year's resolutions. And, you know, I feel like there's been a lot of backlash on that for a while. Like I see a lot of folks on social media online being like, it's just January 1st is so is an arbitrary date. Like, you know, this is silly. Like, why are we getting all hyped up about making changes in the new year? Like, Um, and I think, you know, they have an interesting point, like you can have a fresh start anytime. Um, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, you know, it is kind of exciting when you begin a new calendar year. And and I'm one of those nerds, like when I was in school, like starting a new semester was like, I buy new notebooks and new new stationery and like, you know, just think of the possibilities for how I'm not going to procrastinate and and all of those Mm -hmm. things. Yeah. Um, So I'd love your take on sort of new year's resolutions and sort of goal setting, um, in the new year. I think it's so true. Dates are arbitrary, right? Time is arbitrary, if you will. (laughs) There is a lot of power in our culture in a new calendar year. And Mm -hmm. so these, you know, this is a good, it can be a good time for people to make change, right? And with the the sweep of a new year um, or the turn of a new season, you know, maybe an equinox or a solstice or a birthday or mm-hmm. a full moon, you know, whatever we, I feel like as humans, we embrace these t- uh, every morning, you know, as a mm-hmm. chance to start fresh and start anew. So I think it just depends on who you are. And I, I do, I, I feel like I've heard the backlash as well and felt it. Um, and I think maybe a lot of that has to do with the fact that sometimes we don't like we make resolutions but nothing changes right um and so people get tired of that and so I love I love the Aerosmith song um get a grip in which they say if you do what you've always done you'll always get what you've always got Mm -hmm. 
Uh, and so, you know, if, if you want to set new year's resolutions and maybe they haven't worked in the past and that's why, or maybe you're bitter about them because they haven't worked in the past. Well, what are you doing? You know, what could you do differently if you do want to make changes? How can you do them differently? So, um, and that could be, uh, you know, reaching out to a friend who has a similar goal, like Sarah Lynn, you and I can touch base with each other on how we're going on this social connection, um, goal that we have throughout the year. Or, um, of course you could get a health coach or a personal trainer, or, you know, right. if you've never done something in the past, but you want things to change, what are you going to do differently? That's yeah. I, I appreciate what you're saying too. Cause it makes sense that like there would be backlash because, you know, people always say, Oh, new year's resolutions, you give up on them by February. And, you know, maybe it's just semantics. Like what is a resolution versus what is a goal? I don't know if that is like, has some kind of you know, there's some elements of that in there. I just think they're the same thing, but maybe, you know, I don't really know the difference, but um, I always think of resolutions as goals and right. Like not, not just what outcome do you want, but how are you going to get there and really actioning it, having a plan. And like you said, having a support. So finding a health coach, finding a personal trainer, finding kind of an accountability person to check in with um, to see sort of how things are are coming along. So what kind of support do you have like in your own sort of health and wellness uh, journey and goals? Oh, uh, so I have a friend, I have a cup, cu- I have a friend who coaches me for free. Mm-hmm. And I've, so that's awesome. An old, colleague, <laughs> an old colleague that I pay to coach me. So I have sort of like a personal and a professional um, coach, but then also, you know, I like to, I mean, a good way to make connections is with friends. So reaching out, um, to friends that, and seeing if there's something, sometimes friends can be difficult though. Right. I'm not difficult, but they don't always, we don't always hold each other to things. So, right. Right. Um, uh, yeah. So for me, it's those, like I said, but also, um, talking to my husband about my new, whatever it is, um, is important and getting his buy-in, um, and also his support, which is, is always there. And it just helps me double down. But I really like what you said about the mechanics of, of resolutions, right? Cause I think that's another thing that I didn't touch on that if we don't understand how to make good change, then it's really difficult you know, learning little things like habit stacking and, you know, attaching and just, and starting really small. And so mm-hmm. helping someone understand or learning a little bit more about the science and of behavior change, I think could really support people in making lasting change. Yeah. I, I love that. Cause I think, you know, we, we set these sort of end goals, right. But we don't always know sort of what components are required to get from point A to point B. And I often, you know, see kind of a similar argument of like, oh, outcome goals versus process goals or systems goals or however you want to phrase it. Mm -hmm. And I think like both are important, right? When you think about having an outcome goal, um, you don't want it to set up like, oh, I'll be happy when I reach this goal. That's not the the point. But I think it sort of acts as kind of your North Star. And then the process goals are kind of this tools and steps to get there. So they both play a play a you know an important role. Um, but I think we often just focus on the outcome and less about the process. So like you said, habit stacking. So doing something you want to be doing alongside something you already do. Um, 
So I, I love that example. I think it's interesting when you get into the nuances of kind of how we actually change our behaviors and, and what's going to set us up for success. Yeah. And, and also I think along the lines of what you're saying, thinking about who am I going to be when I reach mm-hmm. that outcome goal mm-hmm. and, and yeah. living into that new way of being is really important. And I think an aspect that gets lost. I love that. I think like I saw an, uh, someone kind of coin it as like identity. Like I'm going to be the kind of person who like goes on daily walks or I'm going to be like, like, this is just kind of who I am. It's like, um, I've heard kind of this example of, you know, let's say for example, when someone's trying to quit smoking, instead of saying like, Oh, I'm trying to quit smoking, be like, I'm a non-smoker. Right. It's like the difference between like, Oh, I just wish I was this way versus like, I am a non-smoker or I am an active person. Not like I'm trying to be an active person. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. I thought of that exact same example. (laughs) (laughs) Like, yes, it's it's such a great example. (laughs) I love that. So yeah. So folks who are listening, like, think about that. So what kind of identity do you want to embrace? And, 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 you know, it can seem like just semantics, but really, um, challenge yourself to be like, okay, I am an active person, not just, oh, I'm trying to be more active this year, right? Um, kind of the way, you, the way you talk about it. One thing you said, Krista, I loved because you were saying, you know, you have a coach for like personal and professional. And I think it just speaks to the fact that like coaches need coaches too. I feel like there's this misconception that like, oh, people in the health and fitness space, people like health and wellness coaches, maybe we've reached some like pinnacle of success where we're like, we've learned all the lessons and we like are just embodying optimal health and well-being. And I feel like that can't be further from the truth, especially when a lot of the reason folks get into this space is because we've struggled with our own, you know, health and it inspired us to learn more about it and then essentially help other people. Um so yeah, I think, yeah, coaches me, coaches too. I'm what, like, do you, I'd love to hear sort of um, any, any thoughts on that? Like uh, just embracing that, like, this is a never ending journey and we're never like reached that pinnacle and we're always going to be needing that support and accountability. Yeah, that's definitely the way I feel. I, uh, I am a lifelong learner and there's always growth and and I happen to be, I'm an only child. Um, and then I was in the Navy surrounded by mostly brothers, quote unquote, mm-hmm. um, and some sisters, lifelong sisters. And I just realized, I mean, I played a lot of team sports in high school. So for me, having someone by my side on this journey, helping me with the exploration and the growth is, I know that I flourish in that sort of a setting. So I think it gets back to what we were talking about earlier is like kind of knowing thyself, what helps you flourish, you know, when you're thinking about making changes and what arena of life you want to make those changes in, what are the things that are most, that light you up in those arenas and how can you get more of them to support yourself in making the changes that you want to make? Yeah, I love that. I think, you know, this is a team sport, like, you know, achieving your goals, like getting, um, getting people kind of in your corner. And I know for a lot of the like clients we see, it's very much like, oh, I have all of these intentions, but I've never shared them with anyone. I don't have, you know, any, um, 
anyone to help me stay accountable to them or even just like voicing them to someone else can be the, can make the difference between just sort of ruminating on what you want to achieve and then actually doing what you want to achieve. And so, yeah, that kind of makes me think of another question. Um, I often talk to, when I talk about the benefits of health coaching in particular, I'll often say it sort of bridges that gap between knowing what to do and doing what you know, right? Like going from just knowing the things that will make you feel your best and actually doing them. Um, so any advice you have for people who maybe know what to do, but are having trouble like actioning them and finally gaining some momentum? Hmm. Uh, from knowing what to do to, how, what did you say? Say that again? From going know. from knowing, just knowing what to do to doing what you know. Doing so like you actioning know. your knowledge. Yeah. Right, right. Uh, so other than the things we've talked about, like mm -hmm. I said, you know, reaching out for somebody who knows the expertise that you mm -hmm. are looking to gain, um, or finding an accountability partner mm -hmm. or just, I mean, sometimes I think we can get stuck in research, but there mm -hmm. are so many great, um, resources out there now on habit change and behavior change. And, um, and so I think if you are, a researcher, you can, you know, dive into that a little bit before making a change. If you, mm -hmm. you know, know you need accountability, then mm -hmm. whether that's just a friend or a family member or hiring someone, a lot of times like putting money out there makes a difference. Yeah. Right? Having um, skin in the game. Having skin in the game. I was talking to one of my clients recently and he's very, um, really good about getting to the gym. And I asked him what makes him successful at that. And he pays out of pocket ahead of time. <laughs> mm, and yeah. so knowing that he's already put the money down gets him to go to the gym. Yeah, that's so true. So, what about you, I, Sarah? <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Like, well, and even for me, like I, I do have coaches, right? I have, um, you know, I'm in kind of a group program for my own like physical health. And then I, when I'm training for powerlifting, I even have a powerlifting coach and you know, um, I'm very privileged to be in a financial position to invest in myself like that. Um, but I, you know, another thing you hit on was sort of that planning stage and it is important. And I feel like sometimes people can get stuck in the planning stage. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. you know, when we, you know, you know, you're a coach, like we, uh, there's kind of like that, uh, content pre-contemplation, then you go to contemplation, um, and often, and then preparation. And I feel like a lot of folks like get stuck in preparation mode where they're like, I have to like write out exactly my plan. And like, you know, it's like um, making your office like perfect setup before you can like write the book or whatever it is, um, mm -hmm. you know, before you start taking any action. And so, yeah, it goes both ways. Like you want to adequately prepare, but you don't want to get stuck um, in that preparation phase. Absolutely. Let me chew on. <laughs> Indeed. I think I can, I can do, I'm guilty of that sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Again, me like, too. I, I was that student with like, I have to get like the perfect notebooks and the perfect pen and the perfect highlighters. And then I'll start studying. <laughs> right. And when my room, my office is set up just right, then I will get that, start that meditation practice or. Yeah. Or I need like the perfect like meditation pillow. And even mm -hmm. like, 
for this podcast. Like I was like, oh, I need to get a professional microphone and I need to write out like the perfect outline. And then eventually I was like, you know what, we're just going to take some imperfect action and, and start, start this thing. So yeah, I, I get that. I'm trying to think of, there was something you were saying that um, made me think of another question I wanted to ask, but I'm sure it'll come back to me. Um, one thing that we've bonded over, I know, in our own work is um, how language matters. And, you know, even with um, things like labeling food as good or bad, or like even behaviors as good or bad. And like, you know, my thoughts on this. And and I think like, yes, some foods are more nutrient dense than others, but they're not bad. Right. And so I'd love like any any thoughts on like, uh, you know, how language can matter and um, when it comes to maybe setting, you know, goals around nutrition or just behaviors, like how we can begin to take the moral like language out of it and really just be like, okay, this was a more nutrient dense meal and that's great. This one was maybe more calorie dense and, you know, I want to have it less often, but just kind of see these things as kind of more neutral sort of facts rather than like emotionally charged, like moral dilemmas per se. Yeah, that's so well, such a great point. Uh, and so applicable to the middle way. And I think a big part of it is we in our culture are so good at beating ourselves up, right. And, and being our own worst enemy. And, and so we get this false dichotomy that you talk about of good or bad, and um, I think that's where the mindfulness, I think, can really come in because as you and I, and, and that piece that is non-judgment, mm -hmm. that is so critical to mindfulness. Um, and, you know, just for your listeners who, and just so we're clear, um, our working definition, a more formal definition would be being fully present in the moment without judgment. Mm -hmm. um, and I like to add with curiosity because I think that helps practice non-judgment if you can mm -hmm. just really get genuinely curious about something. And so, yeah, to your point of good food or bad food, it's, it's not, it's not black or white. It's, mm -hmm. you know, because you, I can eat a uh, take five, like I love, mm -hmm. I can yeah. eat a take five with so much joy that I just, you know, am how can have the best time eating that take five. And, and so I recognize that maybe it's not as nutrient dense as some things, but I still take great, get great joy from it. So I think we lose track of, and, and I, I know that science is now able to know that science is now able to know, sorry. Um, You're good. Science has shown that the energy, the emotion that we eat with makes a difference on how mm -hmm. things are processed. And mm -hmm. so if, so just getting, just getting really present with our food and what we want from it in the moment mm -hmm. and what it gives to us in the moment, I think, and acknowledging that all food is okay and yeah. context, context matters. 
I love that because there's nothing worse than like enjoying an indulgent or wanting to enjoy an indulgent treat and feeling guilty while you're eating it. Like that just ruins it, right? It ruins it. Absolutely <laughs> ruins it. It's terrible. Yeah. So enjoy those a- french fries enjoy right. that take five <laughs> if you're making a conscious decision like i'm gonna eat this more like indulgent food or this more calorie dense food like i'm gonna enjoy it for what it is and and i think um you know i feel like bro fitness bros are kind of, oh food is just fuel you know just see it as fuel and it's like well it is fuel and it's like culture and love and family and like so many other things and so like embracing mm-hmm. you know all the ways in which food serves us and and one thing you said really reminded me of um this great analogy you said get curious and it reminds me um I did this post once that was saying sort of when it comes to sort of eating behaviors don't be the judge or jury be the detective mm. and so like if let's say you find yourself emotionally eating or overeating and, and it wasn't a conscious choice and you just kind of fell into it instead of being like, Oh, I suck. You know, like, why did I do that? I always do this. I can never control myself, et cetera, et cetera. Being like, huh? Like, I wonder, you know, what led to that? Like, is there kind of a behavior chain analysis I can track from like, Oh, I got this really uncomfortable email, right from work and it's stressing me out. And then I found myself in the kitchen and then I found myself, you know, mindlessly eating these things and like, interesting, like maybe, Next time I find myself, I can pause and, and notice sort of what emotions are coming up for me right then. But yeah, just viewing it as like a detective, like a curious observer and kind of detaching sort of that charged like emotion around it. it it's easier said than done. I mean, I'm, I know this stuff backwards and forwards and I still catch myself like, you know, being uber critical, you know, mm-hmm. what, I mean, I'm sure you, 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 you know what I'm talking about. Yes, of course. Absolutely. <laughs> Yes. It is a lifelong practice again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> coaches need coaches too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I will never be perfect at my non-judgment and I will continue right. to practice every day. Yeah. And even like not judging the judging. So noticing yourself like, oh, I'm there's that like inner critic or there's that inner judgmental voice. And instead of thinking, oh, I should know better. or I should be past this, you know, just being like, okay, yeah, this is a there's that thought right and just kind of there's that thought (laughs) and so anyone that's kind of setting goals in the new year let's say you do have a goal to you know engage in less emotional eating or you want to just make more conscious choices around your food um yeah when those um judgments come up just noticing there's that thought um and you know yeah, not getting caught in that cycle of, of self-criticism. And and that kind of leads to the other side of it, which is self-compassion. And I know you're like a big fan of self-compassion. And I think it tends to be, um, there's this misconception that self-compassion is like letting yourself off the hook. Like, it's like, oh, I'm making excuses, right? Like, let's say you do overeat and then it's like, oh, well, if I'm not hard on myself, I'm just going to do it again. Or, you know, there's this myth that like, if I'm compassionate towards myself, isn't that just like letting myself off the hook, making excuses. So any, um, I'd love to hear your take on like, maybe why self-compassion actually helps foster positive change. Like, what do you love about self-compassion? Yeah, 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 yeah. I know, I know. It's kind of a stumper there because um, I don't, 
I don't know exactly why it works, right? Although I think <laughs> I just know that it does. <laughs> I just know that it does, right? I know. Um, I know that one person I worked with said it really well when she started exploring self-compassion and she just said, and she noticed herself practicing it in a conversation we were having. And she just said, gosh, self-compassion is just so much, feels so much better than judgment. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't want to, I mean, and, and that maybe gets the wrong, like for those more intellectually minded, um, maybe the feeling isn't, uh, and it doesn't resonate, mm -hmm. but, um, it's also just true that, that the practice of self-compassion has been shown just like mindfulness-based stress reduction. They have a lot of yeah. overlap. And there are decades of research to support that. Yeah. Just being, I think it, it goes back to the mindfulness part of it, probably, mm -hmm. because you're able to get centered and to be present with non judgment. Mm -hmm. And and that non judging part, just like you you see that you still see reality. You're not right. not creating a false reality. You still see reality. You just see it in a way that if you can be present for it, takes the emotion out of it. And allows mm -hmm. you to make a reasoned decision. Mm. I I love that because it sort of it kind of explains like this isn't just like making excuses because you're still acknowledging what is like mm -hmm. you're still practicing um, you know accepting. So like let's say you do um, find yourself overeating, being compassionate towards yourself, finding that common humanity of like everyone overeats from time to time like this is a very common thing that happens um and kind of getting curious and being gentle with yourself doesn't mean that you're like oh no big deal you know whatever you know it doesn't mean that you like aren't wanting to learn from that experience or have some kind of personal accountability around it it's just that you're viewing it from that curious non-judgmental lens with self-compassion rather than being like I suck <laughs> yeah <laughs> right. Yeah. And I, it's coming like, it reminds me of, you know, when your friendship, right. In a friendship, mm -hmm. right. If you, mm -hmm. if you remind your friend how bad they messed up, you know, is that going to motivate them to do it better? Or are they just going to feel right. a lot of shame and sadness? Uh, and, and I like to think about treating myself the way I would treat, you know, one of my closest friends. And so, think that that's helps. such a good a good good advice because i i'm like I'm, i have this like group of friends that are online friends but they all have some kind of fitness or health related goal and um one of them shared with me that you know in the beginning of last year he lost like 25 pounds and then found himself gaining it back over the next nine months he's like took me three months to lose 25 pounds and took me nine months to gain it back and and I was, I just kind of went to coach mode and, and I apologized later, but I was like, you know, what do you think you learned about yourself through that experience? And his response was, I'm lazy. And I was like, my coach mode was like, okay, how do I, how do I get him to think about this a little, you know, more self-compassionately? So I, I did ask him, I was like, what would you tell a friend who had the same experience? And he was like, wow, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. And, you know, and, he, and it kind of made him think about like, you know what I would tell them, like, that's very common, right? It, it's like a lot of people, you know, when life gets busy and things happen, 
you know, you lose focus and, and mm-hmm. it's very common to gain weight back. And, and now I want to like learn kind of how do I approach this in a more sustainable way? Because maybe, you know, last year I went like, you know, I went in too fast and hard and like burned out and then just went back to my old habits. And I think that's like a great topic, Krista, for people setting New Year's goals is think about the long-term sustainability of these goals, right? Like if you're going in, like, I I was going to say something and I'll I'll refrain for the podcast, but if you're going in like so um, regimented and like overly prescriptive and like overly, um, you know, in in a way that you can't just live forever, Mm -hmm. then you're inevitably going to go back to the same thing. So any, any advice on like making sure that you're, adopting changes that feel sustainable like um like have you ever experienced that where you kind of go into hardcore and then realize like this isn't sustainable yes I have absolutely uh and so I do think and especially you know an injury comes up and it can be so deflating Mm -hmm. and um one of the things I love I there's this local yoga instructor and and I was injured and was like I don't I felt bad maybe being in class because I, and she said, you think yogis never got injured? Right. You know, it's like everything is, you can work with anything. And so I think getting back to your question, I got a little off track there, but the point is that like some, so small, so doing something small really matters. Mm-hmm. I think we think of the big thing, right. Mm-hmm. And your friend probably rearranged his schedule and like blew everything up for those three months and made those changes. But like, just like you're saying, it's not that sustainable. And I think we don't give enough credit to making very small changes and sustaining them over time and the realizing the benefits, you know, nine months from now, instead Mm of six weeks from now. Mm -hmm. Um, And that kind of gets back to what we were talking before about living into what you want to become, like you want to become the non-smoker, you want to become the person who walks every day. So maybe mm-hmm. you don't start off with 30 minutes, mm-hmm. three times a week in January, maybe you just start with taking five minutes, you know, or even parking your car around the block from work, you know, so you mm-hmm. get those five minutes in and build in the accountability that way. But I think we underestimate the value and the power of starting small small Mm. and sustainable that's so good and this is so middle way like I just noticed that I was like this is so middle way because we're not saying like don't make any changes it's just like make them in a way that fits into your life right like Mm. if you up up like up level your whole life to make some like really dogmatic routine like work I mean, that's not really embracing your long-term identity. Um, that's mm-hmm. just embracing the short-term, like hardcore identity that you can only sustain for three months. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> exactly. I'm reminded of um, somebody I worked with when I worked in a different place than we do now. And he talked about how, oh yeah, I tried meditation. It didn't work. And so I'm like, well, tell me more, a little more. Yeah. <laughs> and it turned out that, you know, he tried sitting down like three or four times for 30 minutes. Mm. And I was like, Oh my goodness. Like that's trying to, that's like trying to run a marathon without training. Mm-hmm. I mean, 30 minutes of meditation is an eternity. Mm-hmm. If you haven't meditated before. So like you said, middle way start, I would start with two minutes or five mm-hmm. minutes. 
mm-hmm. and and just keep trying or <laughs> keep practicing. I love that. I love that. And it, and it makes sense that folks would want to like go in hardcore at the outset because I think when we want to get excited about our goals, we think like taking massive action like is going to be energizing. And maybe it is for like mm-hmm. a couple of weeks, but you can only do that for so long. And, you know, you made me think of um, something that my, my one of my coaches often says and that it's like you um, you overestimate what you can do in six weeks, but underestimate what you can do in a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. so like thinking about the long game right like not just what I can get out of the next six weeks but next year the next two years next three years and what's going to help me reach that you know vision in in the long run um is going to be you know more meaningful and and sustainable than kind of that quick fix that we often see in the new year yeah yeah such a great point I'm even rethinking that like yes what is in, in this vein of what we're saying? I mean, I'm repeating mm-hmm. what we kind of already said, but yet thinking about not just January, but mm-hmm. what am I still going to be able to do in December mm-hmm. or June mm-hmm. and think about it that way? Because there is all that motivation and excitement and yeah, big goals have big excitement mm-hmm. and small goals, but we need to flip our, flip our switch to that middle way a little bit and, and rethink yes, it. it- it's so easier said than done. Like, you know, I talk about this stuff all the time and like, I still catch myself, you know, like, um, I think I told you before that I'm sort of an amateur power lifter. And like, mm-hmm. sometimes I get caught up in these like big visions of me, like lifting a ton of weight on the platform and like having all these accolades and like being so, you know, which is fine. Right. I mean, it's good to dream big. And at the same time, it can be discouraging when I'm going through an injury or, you know, and then looking at that vision and being like, I'm so far removed from that. It can be very like deflating. Right. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. acknowledging like, okay, maybe I am really far removed from that, but like, what can I do? And kind of that, what, what you spoke about, it's sort of rather than what I can't do, focus on what I can do right now in this moment and to maybe honor that vision, but not, Oh, it's so, it's so tricky. Right. Because again, like that outcome goal could be the North Star, but mm-hmm. that's a long journey. So mm-hmm. embracing both like that North Star and kind of those daily habits. Um, it's a really good conversation. I feel like I could like go in circles on this all day. But <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. Right. <laughs> yeah. But I remember uh, like a couple months ago, I was, I've been recovering from an injury and I can't, I couldn't like squat or deadlift and and then I realized like, but I can still bench. Why haven't I been benching? And I think it was just sort of, I use that inability to do all of it as an excuse to do none of it. And mm-hmm. so I, I think that speaks to your yoga example of like, well, I can do some of it. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's not like this all or nothing scenario. Yeah. How do we stay connected to that North mm-hmm. star? Mm-hmm. Even when it, in the face of overwhelm challenges mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. Like, yeah it, it, it's so easy yeah to mm-hmm. just stop. you can't squat so I'm done I can't do, you right know, I, I've totally been there <laughs> right right it's like oh I can't do this one thing might as well throw it all out the window um and that makes me think of maybe like part of this whole you know thinking about your vision for the year and setting goals is anticipating those obstacles right because it's yeah. never gonna we're never always like life fluctuates. Like sometimes we have more demands at work or kids or, you know, injuries happen or family emergencies happen or someone gets sick or like, you never really know what life's going to throw at you. So it's almost like preparing or coping ahead for those like inevitable, 
you know, um, demands on our life. Um, and that gets me to thinking about something we talk about a lot in our work is values. And like, you know, I, I gave this example once to a client of, um, you know, let's say you value, you know, getting your daily walk-in, but like your spouse is sick and they need you to take them to the hospital. Like, obviously you're going to take your stuff. Cause in that moment, like yes. that is more important. And so kind of just acknowledging like in some, sometimes like some phases of life, other things are going to take precedent. And how do I um, kind of be flexible with my expectations of myself given kind of life's challenges? Yeah. There's that self-compassion. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it comes full circle. <laughs> this is such a great discussion, Krista. I feel like, um, you know, like, you very much like appreciate kind of that nuanced um, middle way kind of mindset. And, and I think it's, it's so refreshing because, you know, I think I've mentioned before to you, like so many folks are like, this is the answer and my way is the best way. And, you know, that's always a red flag whenever someone says always this or never that I'm like, really always do this. (laughs) Always get your walk in, even when you didn't take yourself the emergency room. Right, right. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, okay. Um, let me think. Um, I think we're getting on our time here, but I did want to ask you um, any advice for someone wanting to make some changes to improve their health this year? I go back to what we kind of were just touching on mm-hmm. is that, you know, everybody is different. And every, you know, there are all these different aspects of health. Um, And so thinking about your physical, mental, or social well-being, and just getting quiet and curious about what it is is that you really need right now to nourish your well-being and self. And then figuring out, I think our discussion about sustainability is really important. Mm -hmm. And figuring out how can you what is sustainable? Mm -hmm. What do you want to still be doing six, nine, 12 months, two years from now that supports this new aspect of your health that you want to incorporate? So good. So good. I'm so here for it. I think that's great um, kind of summary of sort of what we got into today. And um, it's been such a pleasure chatting with you, Krista. I'm like so um, appreciative that I get to work with you every day. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, I'm and... so... Oh, go ahead. <laughs> no, go ahead. <laughs> I just am so honored to be here. Um, thank you for inviting me. And I do let, I mean, I know we both love geeking out about this stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, but also having a, um, a thoughtful conversation mm-hmm. to help others uh along whatever journey they're on so thank you for having me yeah most definitely and if someone wants to like touch base with you like where can they find you online uh yeah I have a website navigatingwellness.me um as in me you and me um so krista at navigatingwellness.me is my email and that's the website thanks Awesome. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for being my first guest on the podcast. It's so exciting to, to get to have this conversation with you. And I hope, you know, I know this will benefit a lot of our listeners. So thank you so much for 
coming on and yeah i'll i'll be back with episode four maybe in a couple of weeks so stay tuned for that and i'm uh that's it so thanks krista thank you sarah lynn bye-bye bye